Hawaiian would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that we and our guests are recording from, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded and Australia always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Behind the Grand Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Paige. And I'm Niharika. Today's episode is with Baker McKenzie. If you didn't know, Baker McKenzie is a global law firm with offices in practically every corner of the world. That's right. And we're joined by two grads from Baker's today. And one of them is our very own Sabine, who helped us edit lots of episodes back in the day. And that's enough talking from us. Let's get into the episode and have our guests introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Sam. I started my grad year at Baker McKenzie last year in 2022. Did three rotations. So I started off in the corporate markets team, then rotated through construction before finally rotating through banking and finance. And we settled towards the start of March and I settled in the corporate markets team. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Sabine Johnson. Like Sam, I also started my grad year at Bacon McKenzie in 2022. I rotated in commercial real estate, dispute resolution and the employment team. And I ultimately settled now in the employment team. Lovely. So we'll start off with the questions we always start off with, which are the fun ones. Um, So what is your coffee order? And better yet, if you can tell us the best place in the city to get your coffee order, we'd love it. Yeah, I'll I'll kick things off. So it depends whether it's it's cold and miserable or it's uh, it's warm outside. If it's warm, I'll normally go for a, like a nice latte. But if it's cold, I'll probably get a skinny cappuccino. My favorite place is a cafe called Little Avenue. My go-to is a batch brew. Ever since I was at uni, uh, I've been drinking that because it's the fastest coffee that you can get. I, it's already made and it can just be given to you really quickly. Um, and I get it every single morning before work at Axel. That's like my morning routine. I kind of sit there for 10, 15 minutes in the morning just enjoying my coffee before I start my day at work. That's cool. They do some pretty cool flavors there, don't they, at Axel? They've got like yeah. little blends and things. They rotate. They change it all the time. So yeah, it's really, really good. That's why I like it so much. Well, thank you. Um, and then this next one's a bit different. And answer this however you feel. It could be a bit fun and quirky. But how would your parents describe what you do as a job? I think my parents would describe me as a professional emailer, um, <laughs> but I think in, they would also describe themselves. Or my, they, they both have worked similar kind of corporate jobs, not as lawyers, but other kind of jobs like that. And they would describe themselves pretty similarly. And then they would probably describe specifically in employment as me getting to work with sometimes kind of interesting content. Beyond that, I dread to think what else they talk about, what else they say to me, to their friends, because... Um, I'm sure their idea of what a lawyer is, is is quite different from what it's like in reality. What about you, Sam? Don't, don't have an exact answer to this question, but a couple of elements that I'm sure particularly my dad would use to describe what I do for work probably stem out of a couple of conversations we've had over the last few years. I was trying to explain to dad what mergers and acquisitions are, and it ended up sort of sounding like, you know, marriages and divorces for companies. Um, you know, a happy marriage, putting two companies together and then a divorce, taking them apart and who gets the kids. But in this time, it's, you know, it's the assets and the employees. Um, <laughs> well, they're definitely different uh, descriptions of what a lawyer it does and I love them both. I also just remembered a funny story that happened to one of the grads um, when we recently got admitted. And Sam, I can't remember if this was you. So, is this the one about working as a baker? No, this is about okay. working, being... Okay, I'll tell the story. So one of the grads um, recently had our admission ceremony in December last year and someone congratulated on um, being committed. Um, that was me. That was me. No, no, no. That was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah a, f- a family friend, I think, had misheard or been miscommunicated what what 
you know, was happening with the admission oh, process. No. So they, yeah, they congratulated me quite sincerely on being committed. And yeah, I thought that was a, that was a strange way to put it, but I, but I took that one. Oh gosh, love it. Anyway, we also would love to know your favorite productivity hack. Um, and this can be from your professional or your personal life. So anything that can help our listeners get a little bit more productive this year. I think my favorite productivity hack is um, making sure that I'm always writing down whatever I have to do because my brain can only handle so much information at any given time. And obviously, as lawyers and as general people who have to do things in the world, um, we have so many things going on all the time. I just know that if I'm not writing it down in my on my computer, on the kind of place that I take notes or otherwise um, handwriting it, I'm going to forget things. So my productivity hack is to just constantly throughout the day, just make sure I'm writing down things like updating my to-do list and making sure that I'm just being able to look at that. And that's also a really good way to sort of tick off things at the end of the day or when I'm finished to make sure that I'm not accidentally forgetting various tasks that I might have just missed. Yeah, super. We love it. Thank you. How about you, Sam? Anything to add? Probably outside of work. I recently started and it's been working really well, just packing my bag properly the night before and setting out what I need in the morning. I'm not much of a morning person. So I find that if I you know, pack my bag, I'm most likely to forget things the night before. And also if I set up my gym clothes or some you know, running shoes, I'm, I'm much more likely to actually do that in the morning before going to work. Absolutely. Great tips. Thanks, guys. Um, I guess so now we're moving to like more graduate program questions specific to bakers. What led you to choosing the firm and what in that process stood out to you? So for me, I was lucky enough to, when I was at uni, be able to meet some people, some lawyers who worked at Baker McKenzie um, and also some of the people in the talent management team. And I think the thing that really stood out to me about bakers was two things. First of all, was the kind of international presence that bakers had and the international opportunity that um, were going to be afforded to lawyers at Baker's. And also every single person that I met at Baker's uh, was really amazing, really friendly. And I just felt a real connection with every person that I'd spoken to. So I think that really stuck with me in my beginning early days before I was even thinking about applying for clerkship um, and all the way through my application process. That was the Baker's was kind of my number one because of that reason. And now I'm here at the firm. It's, I'm really happy to say that it's still holding true and the, the sort of people that I met and the rest of the people that I'm, I've now met at Baker's are people that I really get along with and I really like that. So I think for me, yeah, it was about picking a firm that um, I felt like I was going to fit in and have colleagues that were going to be really kind of supportive in my learning journey. That sounds so great. So definitely lovely things to take away from the firm. What about you, Sam? Yeah, look, very similar things to what Sabine said. I think first and foremost, I think I felt confident that Baker McKenzie was going to look after my sort of training development over the first few years. I seem to have a very sort of clear training program and very willing to sort of impart knowledge. And, and as well, I was really drawn to, I guess, the opportunity to work for, you know, a global law firm working on, you know, exciting global matters, um, but with sort of the backing of a bit of a smaller Melbourne office. So you're not sort of lost in the crowd. I think that was a really sort of important balance to strike for me. That also sounds really lovely. I guess, Sam, maybe you want to start with this. The next question was, how did you find your uh, first few weeks at Baker's? Like, did you find that it did stand up to all those sort of great training and beautiful culture that you spoke about? Yeah, for sure. So the the first week um, we spend on PLT at College of Law um, on site, and then we spend a few days um in the offices, doing sort of more formal training, getting your IT training, library skills training and, and, and whatnot. So I find that's really good to sort of get all the fundamentals 
staples you need to sort of truly hit the ground running. It's a bit of a change, I guess, from uni life, you know, where you're trying to balance potentially a part-time job or two and uni and sort of balance, you know, commitments throughout the week to sort of just having sort of more of a singular focus on just work um, and I guess built on the side. And it's, it's, like a, it's a strange to, um, transition. It's like going back to school, but with longer hours. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and it's nice to sort of, I mean, yes, PLT sort of sits there for the for the first sort of few months, but it's nice to sort of not be sitting there on a you know Sunday afternoon and thinking, oh, I've really got to do 100 pages of corporate law reading. It's nice to sort of not have that sort of lingering in the back. So yeah, it was a, it was a good transition and it's nice to sort of just, I guess, sort of, yeah, focus on a full-time job rather than sort of, you know, too many competing, you know, interests. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've found that quite enjoyable just being mm-hmm. able to be like, this is my one thing that I do now and I don't have to plan as much to make it. It's easy to get into a routine, yeah. It's yeah. easy to get into a routine. Yeah. With sort of- I mean, I'm only three days or four days into induction. I'm already struggling, so. Plan your week out rather than sort of, I mean, maybe it was different, but I sort of worked in, in hospo in the last few years in, in uni and that could be, you know, Sunday nights, you know, Saturday nights or, you know, just a random Tuesday morning or whatever and it could be all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, it's nice to sort of be able to build that routine. Building on that, um, I was also a bit curious to know kind of maybe what were some of the things that you did in those first weeks outside of work to help with the adjustments? So uh, outside of work, I think, I mean, your first few weeks, I found um, myself, I guess, quite tired. So, you know, took it pretty easy on the, the social commitments and focused a bit more on sort of, you know, sleep and, and getting into a good good routine. Um, but also I remember outside of work, we we spent a, you know, a few times, a couple of nights um, as a grad cohort going out and grabbing drinks the first couple of weeks as well, which I think is sort of important for, you know, building a social connection um, as a grad cohort. Um, and then also just, yeah, hanging out with, you know, friends and family outside of work and, you know, everyone wants to ask, you know, how's work going? How's all that going? And it's good to sort of debrief as well. Adding on to what Sam was saying about the first couple of weeks, I think when you start working in any job as a grad or yeah, any job for the first time after uni in a full-time kind of position, you just need to work out um, where your time is. So for example, at uni, um, I never woke up really, I was never really a morning person. I really woke up um, that early. Um, and I sort of thought people who woke up at 5.30, 6am um, were crazy. But of course, inevitably, as soon as I started working full-time, that was prime time for me to go to the gym or do um, Pilates or something like that. So all of a sudden, my kind of routine changed and it was really refreshing because it meant that um, I could just kind of think, okay, well, you know, I don't have the same, perhaps the same time that I had during the days when I was at uni, but I now have, I can sort of plan my day a little bit better and wake up a bit earlier to do the things that I still want to do, like exercising and like having the coffee at Axel every morning um, just to kind of start my day. Well, we might move on to some questions about rotations and things like that. How do rotation preferences work at your firm? You know, is there a strategy to which rotations you do in different periods? Like, should we be rotating last in the team that we want to settle in? Is that kind of a thing or is it not really, not really the situation? At Bank McKenzie, we do three four-month rotations. Personally, for me, that was pretty much the sweet spot. I reckon it takes about two or three months to I guess, sort of properly understand how a team works and, you know, find your feet and figure out, you know, how to sort of do enough of the key tasks in the team, see hopefully, you know, a matter or two, I guess, sort of through the life cycle. In terms of the sort of the second part of your question, maybe Sabine could could answer that because she has had the opportunity to sort of, I guess, do employment last and then, of course, settle in that area. Yeah. Um, thanks, Sam. I think that that's correct. I didn't, I, I didn't really come into my grad year with any set idea as to which team I was going to settle in. 
you know, I had my interests and my, my sort of prior uh, work experience, but I didn't really know exactly. And I tried to keep an open mind. I think that's really important for whatever team you're going into. And particularly if you end up in a team that perhaps you didn't preference or perhaps it wasn't yet one of your first preferences or something like that, you will still ultimately hopefully get um, teams that you did preference, but there's occasionally one team in there that you perhaps um, didn't preference so highly, but it's really important that you just have an open mind in that team and take as much learning as you can because I think that every team and experience is something to offer and you might surprise yourself and, and you, know, you actually really like the team. So so I think my advice to anyone coming in and they're picking their teams, just go with the flow and make the best out of what you have um, because you never know where, which door, which doors and what kind of doors it might open. Yeah, totally. I mean, it sounds like having an open mind to a lot of the graduate process is really key. We know that Bakers is quite famous for their global opportunities and their global network, but we'd love to know kind of what are some of those opportunities within your firm and yeah, what do they look like? Sure. So I guess when you come in as a grad at Baker's, you uh, sort of, we're working in a global firm and that's been really evident from kind of day one. I spent a large part of my rotation in the disputes team working with a Spanish client. And that meant that sometimes we were having later evening meetings to suit their time zone. But that's been really, really cool and interesting and working across, yeah, having global clients that uh, building business in Australia um, or otherwise overseas. I think additionally to that, one thing that I've kind of experienced in the employment team is being able to work with different offices in, as in Baker McKenzie offices across the world. So I've had a, had a project that I'm working on with the US Baker McKenzie office in New York, as well as London and Canadian teams as well for um, a particular client. So I think one thing that you will definitely get a chance to experience at Baker's is that international client opportunities and international um, working across different offices at Baker's as well. And I, one really great thing about building those relationships with the different offices is that as at Baker's, one of the main offerings that we have is called Associate Trainee Program or ATP. And that is something that is offered to lawyers when they've been at Baker's for a couple of years. And basically, it's an opportunity to go and work at one of our global offices for anywhere from six months to two years. While I've been here at the firm, um, one of my colleagues has in the disputes team is currently working in the Singapore office. And I think another colleague recently came back from the London office. So there's plenty of opportunities to grow your network and also make the connections with offices um, in yeah, different locations. So if you are coming in and applying for a clerkship at Baker's, I think if you have any kind of experience that is international, maybe you've um, done a subject at uni that's about international law, or maybe you speak different languages, definitely highlight that because I think it's really important that we have global lawyers and we, we're always looking for people who have that global mindset. And so that's really, really important and will become really useful um, as a lawyer at Baker's. So. Yeah, great. And I like how it's you know, international opportunities don't necessarily necessarily just mean going overseas for work. There's a lot of different ways that international, like your international skill set, I guess, almost can be developed, which is lovely to hear. We'll move maybe on to something that would be quite familiar to you guys and quite recent, but we'd love to know more about how you kind of got settled into your team. I know a lot of maybe grads that might be listening would be curious as to how that process kind of all occurs. Is it, you know, getting coffee with everyone as soon as you join in the team or do relationships kind of build more organically? And, and how did you even come to the decision of which team you kind of wanted to settle in? Yeah, certainly. So I think when I rotated into a team for the first time, I would often try and, you know, grab a coffee, a one-on-one coffee with my 
my buddy or a junior in the team, just to try and get a bit of a feel for how the team operates. I guess who's who in the zoo and who to speak to for what. That's kind of, I think, one of the more important parts for at least how I sort of adjusted to working in a particular team, because I think you come across a lot more together if you know who to go to for, for certain things or at least know which direction to point in. And then would, would often try and just catch up, um, you know, for either a coffee or, or maybe lunch or something with, you know, a couple of other key people in the team um, just to sort of, I guess, introduce myself and, you know, let them know that I'm, you know, open to work and let them know what I'd really like to work on during my rotation, what my focuses are. Um, and I found those mm-hmm. were sort of, you know, a good thing to try and do in your first couple of weeks or your first sort of month in, in the team so you can hit the ground running. Can I add that if you are interested in specific topics or areas or you know that a particular partner has some clients that you're really keen to work with, absolutely bring that up with your team, bring it up with the partner directly if you have the opportunity. That's a really good way to kind of get the experience that you're looking for. So in the employment team, for example, we are transactional advisory and litigious team. We do work across um, all the different types. So I am interested in, in all of those types of um, all that type of work. So mm-hmm. I made sure that I told the partners that, yeah, I would really like to get involved in some of the main transactions that we do in this team. And I'm also keen to do some um, litigious work as well. So I think making sure that you're letting yeah the people in your team know if you are specifically interested in something, if you're not sure what you're interested in, if you've never heard anything about the team or you don't really know about that area of law, that's also fine because, um, you know, I think just being open to opportunities and just letting people know that you're keen to, to do work and get involved in as much as you can so you can learn about the team um, is a really good way to help the relationships develop organically as well. So I think, um, yeah, there are going to be, as a grad, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to do lots of different types of work, client-facing work sometimes as well, and you'll start to learn very quickly what you like and what you want to do more of. Awesome. That's fantastic. It sounds like a little bit of a journey, which is always good. Well, we might uh, move on to kind of wrap up this episode with, I guess, some strategies and some little tips that um, our listeners can take away. I guess the first one is, do you think there are any like must-buys that you should have kind of on your first day or first few weeks as a grad lawyer? It kind of sounds like you should definitely have a notebook and a, and a pen ready for any room in any situation, but um, anything on top of that? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, look, I'm still on the, the, the journey to complete this one, but for me, I think it's getting a good bag work. Um, I'm on to, I think I'm on to my second or third bag since starting. I literally have one, I think arriving today. I'm on the search for a bag that can fit like, I guess my work stuff, lunch, and then also some stuff to go to the gym before or after work. So I think that's a must buy for me. And then also some good, some good containers to put your lunch in, get some good quality, you know, containers that don't leak. I learned early on that the, you know, the reusing just a takeaway container from, you know, a Thai restaurant the night before isn't a reliable <laughs> method of transferring oh, no. um, food to work. You learn that once the bad way. And then you then you go to you go to IKEA and you get some some nice quality containers. <laughs> <laughs> oh great. Well those are really, really practical tips. I love it. I love it. Let us know if you do ever find out about that bag. I have a recommendation about a bag. My recommendation is Rain's um, backpacks because their backpacks are waterproof. And this morning, as it rained extremely heavily in Melbourne, I was very grateful that my backpack um, remained dry and my laptop in there, which I'm always worried will somehow get water damage and then I'll have to replace the whole thing. That will just be really annoying. So Rain's is really good. And my other tip for 
things you must buy is a emotional support water bottle. Of course, <laughs> have the Frank Green water bottle, like many other people of my demographic. Uh, Team Yeti. Think- Team Yeti, for sure. <laughs> oh, controversial. <laughs> well, look, any water bottle will do the trick. I, Everyone in the office knows that I drink a lot of water. So I have one of those giant two litre water bottles, which I think <laughs> could knock somebody out if I really, if I really tried. So yeah, but that's a really, I think, good thing to have. And you will quickly learn as you go through your grad year, what works for you, what kind of things you need, what your routine is. Um, Just give yourself Mm -hmm. time to work out exactly what it is you want. I think you'll really quickly realize what you need to buy to help your life and routine be nice and easy. Lovely. We love a water bottle that's emotionally supportive and also physically safe. (laughs) So great. Two in one. We love it. Um, All right. Well, last last little question. Um, Just if you have any project management strategies that you kind of use during your day-to-day at work that you'd maybe recommend um, to our listeners? So like any apps, even if that's something like a Microsoft app um, or tools that you would recommend grad lawyers at your firm get familiar familiar with first? Yeah, I think the main form that I use, the main app that I use is OneNote for all of my uh, notes. Whenever I'm sitting in a meeting with a partner or a more senior lawyer, I sit down and I always just take my notes on my computer. I find that the easiest way, having been trained very well to write down what the lecturers are saying verbatim in uni, um, <laughs> I'm pretty good at taking notes. So I use OneNote all the time. I also use that OneNote for my to-do list that I was talking about earlier. Strategy that I recommend is finding out what works best for you in terms of filing your emails and managing your email to do kind of to do lists. So, for example, I'm always using like the flag feature in Outlook to make sure that if there are emails that I need to action, I'm flagging it. And then once I've actioned it, I can tick it and file it away into a folder so it's not sitting in my inbox anymore. But everyone has different strategies for managing their inbox. That works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I highly recommend, hopefully, within the first month, you find a good strategy that works for you for your emails because uh, as you quickly learn, lawyers get a lot of emails. And um, my parents are right that I'm a professional emailer because <laughs> I. I get many emails and I professionally respond to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was going to say no one, no one really asked for my opinion, but in OneNote, you've got um, you can add like bullet points almost, and then you can flag them so that then they'll come up as tough in your Outlook as well, which I think is really quite handy. I don't too. know that. That's good to know. I usually just use the checkbox, but I will definitely check that out because I'm always looking for ways to make my to-do list more seamless. Yeah, it's really, really handy. I um, we only, I only just learned an induction. But anyway, not people aren't here for answers from me or answers from Sam, please. Um, look, very, very similar tips to Sabine. I think the first one for me is just getting a to-do list of some sort. Doesn't really matter what it is. I've seen people have success on, you know, with paper to lists. Um, whether it's the inbuilt one in Outlook, I've seen people use OneNote for it, um, as we've discussed, or you can use like a Google Keep or a Todoist. Um, whatever works for you, whatever you can sort of access at home in the office. It really helps to keep on top of what you've got to do and sort of rearrange things, things, you know, bright, you know, red or orange when it's, you know, urgent needs to be done today. And, you know, I like to make things sort of like a peaceful blue when it's, you know, to do some point in the next sort of decade. And so sort of, it's nice to sort of have a bit of a, you know, a way of sort of managing those things. And then I guess my second general tip is just, you know, become a 
become an expert with Outlook. There's so many little things you can do in terms of like setting up rules and like filing things. And I think some of those things take a couple of minutes to learn, but they genuinely save like, I think over the life of your career, like hours of like, and, you know, dealing with, and I think the further you go into your career, the more emails you get on a daily basis. So if you can sort of set up mm-hmm. good habits early on, I think it just sort of pays dividends the long term. Yeah. Thank you both so, so much. All of this has been so useful and so helpful. And it's been great to kind of find out a little bit more of your program for anybody that's interested and is listening. Um, I'm sure people can reach out to you if they have some more questions, but thank you for all the insight today. No worries at all. Very happy to talk. And yes, please reach out if you have any questions. Lovely. Thank you both. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Grind Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more about Baker Kenzie, we have episodes with them in each of our previous seasons with useful tidbits and different guests. That's right. Baker has been a proud supporter of B2G from the start. So you can head right back to season one to hear more about the firm. Don't forget to keep up with our new episodes by subscribing to Behind the Grind wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. That is all from us. And we will be back with new content next week. Mm -hmm.